Hello, hello. You are listening to the Aligned Birth Podcast. You have both hosts of the show here today. I am Dr. Shannon, prenatal chiropractor. Doula Rachel is here as well. And we are chatting about the golden hour. That's our birthday topic for the day. I hope you have heard of this word before um, or this phrase, golden hour. Um, but I'll be honest, I, with my pregnancies 13, 14, 10 years ago, um, I don't think I was too aware of it. And so that's why, um, that's a big reason why we want to talk about it today, because we're going to talk about what is the golden hour, um, why it's important to honor the golden hour, and then, um, some ways to achieve it. Um, and some things that go on during the golden hour. So the golden hour, it's that first um, hour of life where you, after baby is born, where you really want to have like that uninterrupted time with baby. And so, yes, there's going to be differences between if you're birthing at a hospital versus if you're birthing at home, as far as achieving that uninterrupted time, but there are amazing benefits for mom and baby. And there's ways to achieve this in the hospital that can, um, be very beneficial as well. And so you can, you can achieve this wonderful and amazing, um, golden hour. So I'm excited to chat with Rachel about it today because I think I'm going to learn, um, some new things as well. So welcome. Welcome to the Aligned Birth Podcast. I'm Dr. Shannon, a prenatal chiropractor. And I'm Rachel, a birth doula and childbirth educator. Together, we're here to bring you conversations about pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. From cesarean to VBAC, hospital to home births, we've experienced it all. We are high school friends who reconnected through our shared passion for health and birth. As moms to two young boys, we've both changed careers after our own transformative childbirth experiences. Join us as we discuss the importance of a healthy body and mind throughout pregnancy, birth, and into motherhood. Our goal is to provide fun, interesting, and helpful conversations and interviews that inspire learning. When your body, mind, and intuition are aligned, you can conquer anything. Sit back and relax or grab a notebook and take some notes or maybe listen as you enjoy a walk. However you choose to listen, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Aligned Birth Podcast. Before we get into the episode today, if you enjoy the content of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate your support in one of three ways. First, leave us a review or give us a five-star rating. Your feedback helps us reach more listeners and make a bigger impact. Second, you can sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll be the first to receive new episodes and exclusive bonus resources straight to your inbox each week. Lastly, you can become a direct listener supporter. Running this podcast requires significant time, effort, and resources. Your contribution, no matter the amount, helps us continue providing valuable content to a wider audience. Simply use the links in the show notes to make your donation, sign up for our newsletter, or leave us a review. Every contribution matters and is sincerely appreciated. If the Align Birth Podcast is a part of your weekly routine and you love what we are doing, please consider supporting us through one of these three options. Your support will create a ripple effect, allowing us to reach more listeners and make a lasting difference. Good to see you. And we get to see each Good other because we, we do YouTube now. And so we have our videos. So this is always fun. I know we have the video. <laughs> 
Um, so excited to talk with you today about this. I love this topic. I love this conversation. Um, and like you said, it's one of those things I think we probably are so used to talking about that we might assume everyone's familiar with it, but you shared your personal experience of like that wasn't on your radar. And so we're here to talk about the golden hour today, what it is, why it's important, like what it might look like and kind of how to achieve it. Um, and hopefully again, we're all about kind of sharing that information so that you can be you know, take what resonates with you and hopefully sort of shift things uh, to meet your needs and hopefully have a better overall experience. Um, so yeah, that golden hour is that first one to three hours right after the baby's born. And it is a critical time uh, for mom and baby. Um, and there are many, many benefits to it, right? And there are many evidence-based benefits to having an uninterrupted first hour of life. Um, but please know that if you're not able to have that uninterrupted first hour, that it's not the end all be all, right? We don't want to get too tied up in right. being because stressed out. Because I know out. both of mine were different. Like I did not, there was no way possible for me to have that with my first, I had that emergency cesarean and I was going one way, my baby was going the other way, my husband didn't know where to go. So there was that aspect of it. And then second time around was a lot different. And I think one thing I didn't realize, I guess looking at now is I want people to understand that you um, you have a say. It doesn't have to be all these things that are happening to you or happening to your baby in certain instances. And that's one thing we want to talk about today because yes, there's the benefits of it, why you want to have maybe these thoughts and conversations during pregnancy so that you're prepared for that golden hour aspect of things. So yes, there's going to be times where you're unable to have this ideal situation in your head. That's okay. Right. And it's all about protecting what you can protect in the golden hour. Just like with mm -hmm. the birth plan, that element of flexibility, it's still very important to explore your options, learn about what happens during this time and make a, a, a flexible plan that meets your needs and your preferences and aligns with with the things that you want for you and your baby in this time. And then adjusting accordingly if intervention is needed or learning how to determine what interventions are actually needed and learning how to advocate um, for more time if that's available or delaying things if that's available. Um, and then protecting the things that are, are, there's like lots of things that happen in that first bit of time after baby's here. So um, what can you, what can you protect? Um, like if you need a cesarean, like there is a, there is a delay between when baby is born and they get skin to skin with mom. That's just the nature because you're having major abdominal surgery. Um, but getting, you know, advocating to have that happen as soon as possible, asking mm -hmm. for support from the nurses, you know, kind of getting the ball rolling and knowing kind of how to navigate that so that you can do the best you can and know that that's the best you can do in certain situations and that everything doesn't, uh, you're not failing or your baby's not going to be, you know, Irre irreparably, irreparably, is that the word? Irreparably word. <laughs> damaged. Damaged. <laughs> Shannon, words are hard today. Words have been difficult. Irreparably. That's okay. I don't know why it doesn't sound irreparably. <laughs> Permanently, uh, non-reversibly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm gonna pick a different word. <laughs> yeah, and so I want you to be motivated. I want people to be motivated by the benefits of protecting mm -hmm. the golden hour and not, not doing things out of fear of, right. of what might happen if they don't get the golden hour or if things intervention is needed. So we're going to talk about why, 
right? So the benefits mm-hmm. to the golden hour. Um, it promotes attachment between mom and baby. Mm-hmm. Oxytocin boost, right? And when you are skin to skin with your baby immediately after the birth, um, there's a transfer of hormones and connection. You're smelling your baby. You're feeling your baby. They're wiggling on your tummy. Maybe they're trying to feed. Stimulates oxytocin. Looking into your baby's eyes stimulates mm-hmm. oxytocin. And that is laying the foundation for the mother-baby bonding mm-hmm, um, when you have mm-hmm. that time to sort of imprint on each other. Um, mm-hmm. Also regulates baby's bodily functions. This is one of the coolest things about protecting the golden hour, having immediate and uninterrupted skin to skin is that. So we have all these tools in a hot, and okay, backing up here. This really is, I would say, more geared towards hospital births. Mm-hmm. In all the home births I have attended, this like the newborn golden hour is vastly protected for the most part mm-hmm. and really uninterrupted unless true and less intervention is needed. I still encourage having a conversation with your home birth midwife about what they do, what you can expect, your options and all that. But how we're going to talk about it here is really in regards to hospital birth. So what I was going to say is in the hospital setting, there's all these tools and equipment and things and staff to support mm-hmm. a new baby and mom right after mm-hmm. the birth. We are thankful for these providers in this safe place to give birth for the most part. Um, however, with, with these tools, like the warmer, we have the warmer and we have the mom baby nurse and they like the baby has to go over there to get checked out. Or we have like all these, these, we need to suction. So we can't suction on mom. So we're going to go suction over on the warmer, like away from mom. the way the hospital is set up doesn't promote like keeping mom and baby together because there's staff, there's protocol, there's machines, there's things, right? And so knowing that your body in the vast majority of situations or circumstances, your body, skin to skin with your baby is all they need. It regulates their respiratory, their breathing, their body temperature. So if they're saying baby isn't holding their temperature, really advocate for good quality skin to skin and give it a chance. And then if baby's not holding temperature, then maybe they do need the warmer. Um, but more times than not, they just need to be in good quality, like skin to skin with a warm blanket over mom and baby. Um, and um, their glucose levels helps stabilize their glucose levels, helps um, promote uterine contractions. Because again, oxytocin, oxytocin. being mm-hmm. skin to skin, your uterus is going to contract. So all these bodily functions that are happening just by being skin to skin immediately after the birth is going to protect mom and baby. It's designed that way. It's not designed to be pulled apart, separated Removed. unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. This also can reduce the stress levels for mom and baby uh, due to the oxytocin. Um, and this is improves better breastfeeding outcomes if that's what you're planning to do. Um, helps boost baby's immune system. Um, so they have, so when, when baby is brought skin to skin with mom, and left alone, they have vernix on their skin um, and they have amniotic fluid on their skin and those serve important roles. So like wiping them off or cleaning them up immediately can interfere with their immune system. And then getting skin to skin with mom, possibly initiating that that first feeding as soon as possible is that next layer to boosting their immune support. They're going to get mom's, mom's germs, which are good for baby, breast milk or colostrum, which mm-hmm. helps fight, 
you know, germs and helps promote a, a solid immune system. All of that's happening when there's nothing interfere, when we're not interfering with it, um, or it's it's happening more optimally when we don't interfere mm-hmm. with it. And that's going to help your baby have a stronger immune system. Um, so yeah, those are some of the benefits. Did I miss any? I know. And promotes the uterine contractions. So I feel like you had said that though, but I can't remember if you did, but, um, because again, yeah, I think under bodily functions. Yeah. Maybe in there. So mm-hmm. yeah. But a lot of that is, is due to, to oxytocin too. So, um, and those are just some of the benefits we wanted to go over of like why this is important and why you, well, I don't want to shit on you, but why you should think about this prenatally. Um, and again, too, I, I guess I just didn't know that, I guess I just followed the rules when I was, I was doing the hospital birth. And so it was kind of like, okay, this is what's done. And it's so cool now to see families start to advocate for themselves and to say, okay, no, I really want to honor this. Give me this hour. And it can make a leaps and bounds difference in how um, mom processes birth and how baby processes birth. Now, all this to say that if these things don't happen, you know, and if you can't immediately snuggle, it's not like, oh, it's all doomed. Your stress levels are going to be crazy. You're not going to be able to breastfeed those type of things. So um, no, because I've talked about that before on, on other episodes with my birth was very different. Um, my first. And so you can still accomplish that. It just, it might just be a little bit later, but if we can honor that golden hour. Um, yeah. You're just trying to get really, like a really good, good start. You're just trying to get the best mm-hmm. start possible. Um, and mm-hmm. it, yes, it is not the end all be all if it doesn't happen. Um, but I think it's important to talk about too, the reality of our, of the traditional medical birthing location, which is the hospital. Um, it's different in all locations. Like every hospital is slightly different. And I think a lot of birthers feel like I'm giving birth in the hospital. Things don't happen unless they're safe for mom and baby. Um, and I do think the overall goal is safety for mom and baby. I do believe that is the the goal, but that doesn't mean all the practices align perfectly with what we mm-hmm. know to be evidence-based because it's still a hospital system. They're still trying to help many, many people. It's just risk management is a really There's big a part big of part what of they're it. thinking. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and lots, they're managing just lots of different people and scenarios and circumstances. Mm-hmm. So um, giving grace where grace is due, but understanding that this doesn't just happen by default. Some mm-hmm. hospitals are more mother-baby friendly. So that's a great term that you can use and look up. Like, is my hospital mother baby friendly? That means they have mm-hmm. met an actual certain set of standards that um, are more aligned with what we're going to talk about here than if they're not mother baby friendly. But then some people say they're mother baby friendly, but then they're not actually. So that's where you have to kind of use your advocacy tools and ask questions and not assume that certain things are going to happen. Um and that some hospitals are better than others. Like I work at some hospitals mm-hmm. where we really have to advocate for these things. And then I work at a hosp- some hospitals that this is standard of care. This is the norm. I know. So right. that's why you got to, you, you got to look at this beforehand yep. and take that into account. And that's why this is going to be important for when you are going through and creating your birth plan or your birth preferences list, because these things can go on there. So we're going to go through the, like what typically happens in the first one to three hours after birth. And then there's going to be things in here, nuggets, where if you want to add in these things into that birth preferences list, then these are good things to add in there. There might be some terms. We're not going to go through and explain all the terms because we had, we literally did a four-part series of all kinds of different terms, prenatal terms, 
Did we have postpartum terms, pregnancy terms, perinatal? I don't even know what we had. We had four different episodes. But we Labor, did one. newborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had one that was on the newborn term. So it's episode 102. We'll link that in the show notes. So that's going to go through more specifically of what some of these words are um, and a lot more in depth. But um, we do want to highlight some of the things of what to expect. That way you can make an impact in your um, birth plan. Yeah. So just going to walk you through like a a quote unquote typical scenario in the hospital setting. Mom is born. And I say typical. I use that usually. I would say like what happens in that first one to three hours and then kind of talking about the areas that we want to protect. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Assuming that birth was uncomplicated, you know, yes, Yes. that intervention is not necessitated. Um, So baby is born. Yay. Baby's here. Immediate skin to skin, like they are still attached to the umbilical cord. That umbilical cord is still attached to your placenta and your placenta is still inside your uterus. So like you are still attached (laughs) to your baby. And this is where like delayed cord clamping comes in, um, not rushing that separation process. Mm Because as long as baby's still attached, then they have to stay near you. So advocating for delayed cord clamping, which would come next-ish, right? So Advocating for waiting for white with that umbilical cord, delaying until it's done pulsating, regulating between placenta and baby, making sure baby has all the blood they need. Um, And during this time, so baby has come up, they're maybe on your abdomen or on your chest. Um, We're waiting on the cord to finish pulsating. Um, Without you really even knowing it, your team, your birth team, like the nurse typically is assessing their APGAR. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is like a visual thing. It's not a physical test. Um, they're looking at uh, activity, how the baby's moving, their pulse, which they can take their pulse while the baby's on you. Their grimace, so it's a reflex when they pull on their arm or they pull, is the arm like kind of coming back. Um, appearance, their color mm-hmm. and respiration, mm-hmm. um, heart rate, which they will put like, um, you know, listen to the baby's lungs as well. But this is all happening on you and very, very quickly. And they do an APGAR at one minute and at five minutes. And mm-hmm. typically like average, well, the one minute is a little bit lower than the five minute. Um, and also during this time is if it's needed, they're going to clear the airways. So there's a lot of mucus when the baby is born vaginally and being born vaginally helps squeeze all that, a lot of that mucus mm-hmm. and a lot of the amniotic fluid out of their lungs. Like they get the big squeezes they pass through, but for some, they might stop a little bit of mucus in their throat or in their cheek or in their mouth that's like hindering them from being able to get that first big breath. And if they can't get that first big breath or they're struggling, struggling to do that, then uh, the nurse or the midwife or doctor might suction um, either with a bulb syringe, their cheek or their throat if needed. Um, And if that's persistent, that would be an indication for needing to do deep suction, which they would take the baby over to the warmer and do deep suction. Um, at home, home births, just for point of reference, they can do deep suction on mom and they often do, but it's just a totally different technique and a totally different approach. So knowing kind of like, okay, that's interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. So clearing of the airways and it's not always necessary. So really advocating for only using that bulb syringe and suction if it's needed. Um, 
temperature. They're going to take baby's temperature and they're going to stimulate the baby. So maybe rubbing the baby's back, rubbing Mm -hmm. their feet, kind of really making sure they're, they're active in the way they need to be responding. Yeah. They're responding. Um, They're not. So like if they're rubbing the baby's back, some people are like, think they're, they're getting cleaned off. And usually it's just the nurse is trying to stimulate. So babies like skin to skin, like tummy to chest on you and they're maybe rubbing baby's back or you're they're telling you okay rub baby's back talk mm-hmm. to baby like just helping stimulate making sure they're they're responding and and pinking up perking up kind of getting that first maybe cry in um they don't always have to be screaming to be good uh, mm-hmm. but just making sure that that all those things look good um at the same time happening to you is they're monitoring your bleeding you're delivering your placenta you're, they're going to check for any tears um, and they're going to help clean you up. Um, and if there are tears, they would do any repairs needed and then clean you up. All the while, ideally, baby is on your chest during this time. Because mm-hmm. that's, again, going to help promote oxytocin, mm. uterine contractions, and that helps slow and, and that oxytocin, bleeding. that's what promotes, that helps deliver um, the placenta as well. Placenta. So how long does it, is it typically take for the placenta to be delivered. Like if, if mom doesn't need any additional, like, you know, fundal massage and those type of things. Anywhere from like five minutes to 45 minutes. Okay. Most people want to see the placenta come bef- within 45 minutes. So that would be on the long end mm-hmm. and they might uh, do some intervention with Pitocin or other things if it, it's not delivering on its own. Um, okay. um, so Again, baby skin to skin, they're so that there's there's a huge dance of hormones and connection and bonding happening during this time. And it's all happening relatively fast in mm-hmm. a hospital setting at this point. There's a lot of people in the room. So yeah, you know, the midwife has showed up. Usually uh you have your main nurse, there'll be a second nurse that comes in as you're del- you know, when you're really getting closer to, to delivering. Then there's usually one or two baby nurses. If you had any kind of meconium in your amniotic fluid when your water broke, there's a they'll bring in NICU, which is like um, one or two from them, just <laughs> in case. So I say all that to say yeah. it gets like rowdy, like mm-hmm. and you're wanting like a calm, peaceful environment. Most people, and so we we like to talk about it so you're prepared. Um, yeah, because even in my head right now, I'm like, and that again, would be choosing- so good to like watch a hospital birth video. If someone's got one, yeah. you know, if you see one and then that way you can see what to expect at that afterwards. I mean, cause yeah, it sounds yeah. like there's like a, a party going on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say most moms are, I feel like dads are usually like, what's happening? Why are there so many people here? And mom is like in post labor land, you oh, know, yeah. mm-hmm. intoxicated by her baby, intoxicated by hormones for the vast majority. Cause I usually try and get in their ear and be like, just so you know, so-and-so's here. Just so you know, a couple more people just showed up. This is their purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're not overwhelmed. So they know what's going on. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they're, they're not fully aware of it all, which yeah. is a good thing. Like, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 You're focused I on your baby. With so babies with you, mm-hmm. you're more focused on baby. You're just, and I always encourage like, smell your baby, kiss your baby. If you want to get real crazy, lick your baby. Like there's just a lot to be said with that immediate time together while all this other stuff is happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So also during this time, you want to initiate that first feeding. So after all these other things have happened, things are set, starting to settle down and baby is starting to like hunt and peck on your chest, mm-hmm. getting a little wiggly, maybe birdie mouth. Maybe they're smacking their lips. These are signs they're ready 
to feed, um, initiate that first feeding. So getting that going too is going to boost oxytocin, which is again, going to help with what you need in that moment, which is uterine contractions to help with either placenta or bleeding. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's going to stimulate the prolactin too, like get your body ready to produce the milk. It's sending the signal. We are ready to go here and also getting colostrum. So colostrum is your first milk. So when you are doing that first feeding, you don't have like straight up regular milk ready to go. It does not look like how it would when, if you're pumping like way later, how you Mm -hmm. envision it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the Mm -hmm. tiniest amount, remember small amount, half a Mm -hmm. teaspoon, half a teaspoon per feeding tummy size is like a cherry and Colossians really thick, but it is highly nutritious. It lines mm-hmm. their gut. It boosts immunity. You know, it's got everything they need in it. It's the perfect milk for your baby. So do not be concerned if you're not gushing milk at this stage, your baby is getting just what they need and reminders of like the quantities that they need is very little, mm-hmm. but getting that going at this point is really good for baby's blood sugars uh, so that we can keep mom and baby together. Um, what else? Okay. So after the one to three hours and after you've had that first feeding. Mm -hmm. So that's really important that you have before the next step set of things, you've got that first feeding in. So if they're coming in wanting to move on to the next thing, you can say, Hey, we have not successfully latched. I would like more time. Mm -hmm. Anything that's happening next is not emergent and can be delayed like without rush. So Mm -hmm. Get that first feeding in, settle down, bond. Like that's why I say one to three hours. Cause we've talked about the golden hour. It is the first hour, but really like if you can go like three hours of like pure bonding mm-hmm. before the next set of things, cause they're not necessary for the health and well being of the baby. Right. So, but a lot of times they will, the nurse might come over and say, can I borrow your baby? Like just want to go ahead and get all their stuff done. And they might use the the weight as the enticement because everyone always wants to know the weight. And while they go weigh them, they do all this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So protecting that time, making sure you get that first feeding in. And then they will ask to take the baby over to the warmer. And I say the warmer in the hospitals I'm birthing in. It's in the room. It's like just in the little like carve out space of the room. It's like a space for the baby mm-hmm. to lay. It weighs them. It has all the tools on it they would need to yeah. Take care of baby. And then it's got a warmer on it. So they can lay there completely unclothed and be warm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where they'll get the weight of the baby. They'll measure the baby, get their hand and footprints, revisit their vital signs. They'll do um, the newborn the screen, heart, probably the, the heel prick and everything as well too, typically, I think in that. The heel prick that in my experience isn't happening until they're on the mom and baby floor oh, or the, the mom and baby floor. floor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that is something that happens, but not typically in this first not in that first three hours okay. window. For the places I'm working now, the heel prick you're mentioning is uh, something that they do. So it's worth asking, like, when does this happen based right. on where you're giving birth? And that is where they're doing that screening for all the metabolic mm-hmm. disorders. Um, and it's like a little piece of their heel. They And then they squeeze some blood drops onto like a postcard on and then they mail it off. My mm-hmm. experience is that's happening on the postpartum floor. Um, while they're got the baby on the warmer, they're also going to do, if you've agreed, you have, you have a say in these, uh, eye ointment, which is the erythromycin, the drops in the eyes, vitamin K injection, and the hepatitis B vaccine. They're going to do all that in this first assessment of baby. Um, 
And so that's a lot of things happening at once for a baby. So you can mm-hmm. delay and say, no, we'll do these when we're on mom and baby. Or, and I say mom and baby, that's like the postpartum floor. You leave like mm-hmm. labor and delivery and you go to another floor. So you can delay to then. Cause again, it's really not emergent that they get them right away. Um, and you can, you know, accept or decline those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to clean up the baby, but not bathe the baby. Like if they're goopy, which babies can be goopy, you know, they got mm-hmm. vernix or they've got meconium or whatever poop. If they pooped on themselves, they get them kind of cleaned up, but they're not giving them a bath. Um, and they'll diaper and swaddle them and bring them back to you, which is when you will then immediately unswaddle them. Yes. I know. <laughs> unswaddle that magnificent they give you swaddle. This little, like little bundle. <laughs> it's like a little bundle. And I think there's yeah. great satisfaction in for nurses burrito. just to be like, here you go. Yeah. And then the nurse, you know, leaves. And I'm like, okay, let's undo the baby. <laughs> so you unswaddle them and get them immediately skin to skin. So optimal skin mm-hmm. to skin is baby on your chest or your partner's chest if you're unable to. Um, and then like warm blankets on top of you. So nothing mm-hmm. in between mm-hmm. baby skin and, and mom or dad's skin and then wrap exactly. them up. And that's going to keep baby nice and stable with their temperature. Exactly. And I think it's important to mention that you know, maybe you did have emergency cesarean and mom has to go somewhere else. So there's lots of other things going on and the baby's doing fine. And maybe baby and your partner are together and your partner can do, um, skin to skin. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously not the one that gave birth, but still, still so beneficial. And again, that would be where it's literally skin to skin. So partner would have shirt off, but then bring, you can be like wrapped in a blanket and that sort of thing. Cause that can also, and I think if you, as, as mom, if you've been through something and knowing that, okay, your partner, maybe you're able to do skin to skin that like, that can also bring like calming and stress relief. Oh yeah. I always remind Mm -hmm. mamas of like, if you're feeling like if there's a lot going on, maybe you're having to be like, there's some stitches, you need to be repaired you're coming down from labor land or you're, there's some other things going on. If you need mm-hmm. a minute, I always remind them the next best place is skin to skin with dad. So mm-hmm. let's pass him over. Let's let him do some skin to skin. That's great for dad. It's great for bonding. It's great for baby. It still has many, many benefits. And then when you're ready back to mom. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, there's a cesarean, a cesarean, like front loading and preparing dad to be like, okay, I'm having major surgery. Even if it's on the fly, like you've talked about it beforehand. If it ends up, I need a cesarean. Mm-hmm. Like, I will have to be in rec- or in the OR being sewn up after the baby's born. And that's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You can be with baby. And with, when you're with baby, be skin to skin. Like get them on board with that because mm-hmm. that's the next best place for them to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you've got options, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not end all be all. Yeah, I think the biggest way to achieve this, the the things I would recommend to do to achieve it is to know what is happening at your birth location. Know, like ask people who have given birth there, ask your provider questions about what is happening in that first one to three hours after the birth. Um, and have these conversations before the birth. Like how do you support the first few hours after I give birth? How does the hospital staff support the first few hours after birth? You know, what typically occurs, like we just talked about, um, and decide on your preferences before the birth. So you're Mm -hmm. not overwhelmed because they're going to be like, you got to sign consents for IOMN and vitamin K and hepatitis B, either consent or decline. And you're going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about if you haven't explored those options um, beforehand. So this is all about 
front loading. This is that prep work. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's a big part, I think, of what needs to go in that birth plan, that birth preferences list Mm -hmm. as well too. Because again, too, even if it doesn't, it doesn't all happen as you want. Um, it's that knowledge because then you maybe maybe you didn't know all of this stuff happens in that first hour, the first one to three hours. And so now you do because you were, you're planning, you know, and trying to um, come up with that plan. It can be less overwhelming, Mm -hmm. less uh, feeling like things are happening to you or the baby without your control. And that matters how you feel just like it matters while you're giving birth. It matters how you feel after the birth and how you're Mm -hmm. the care for your newborn. So it's a philosophy across the board. Um, And there's no right or wrong and there's no, you should do this or shouldn't do that. It really is just about the front loading, gaining like knowledge, support and advocacy um, so that you can navigate it with more ease and confidence. And that'll leave you feeling better about your birth and hopefully have a great start to motherhood. I know with your births, because you had your first in a hospital and then your second was the home birth. Mm -hmm. What, um, I feel like you did a good job at your hospital birth though, too, as far as like protecting your environment and everything. But, did you notice a difference with your golden hour and those two experiences? Yeah. 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 Because the golden hour for my home birth was like completely uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Like they're not doing nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it is, yeah. uh, they took, they made sure I was stable. Baby was stable. Bleeding mm-hmm. was under control, moving to the bed and just protected me and the baby. I'm like, they're charting and they're cleaning up and they're getting some food and like letting that first full hour go by before they're even doing anything. Yeah. Um, and they're peeking on the baby, right? Mm-hmm. So midwives are magical in the way that they, it's they're not that they're sneaky. not doing they're anything. Like, they're so sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. They're <laughs> observing. Mm-hmm. They're listening. They're, they're, you know, they'll come over and peek in and and maybe listen to the heart tones if they need to, or they'll, you know, they're doing without doing, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I want to have that. I want people to have that confidence that it's not that they're just like truly doing nothing. They're just, yeah, no, no, no. it is quite the opposite. Um, and cause Marshall was, had a slow to, he was slow to start. Um, and he bore, we borderlined on needing a transfer, but he didn't need resuscitation. He was just like a little quiet mm-hmm. and, um, his coloring was a little off, but they were, so they were peeking on him a little bit more, but not like he was just on me, you know, swaddled, not swaddled up, but covered up and skin to skin with me. And I was working on feeding and all of that. And they were just, I think, peeking on him a little bit more because mm-hmm. of that. So again, they were just acutely aware and, and paying a lot of attention while giving space yeah. uh, for, and then like, there's no, I mean, they're not doing, they're not doing eye ointment or vitamin K or uh, by a uh, hep B vitamin K mm-hmm. is, uh, we did like an oral vitamin K. Oral one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's really hard to compare, um, but mm-hmm. definitely different and, and a really good yeah. way. Cause yeah. But it's good to, I mean, you know, it's good to have that that knowledge base. There's so much that I use or talk about in the office from a standpoint of like, oh, well, it could be like this if we, (laughs) if we do these things. I'm like, what just happened over here? So a lot of my experiences are like, whoa, let's, it could be totally different. (laughs) Could go this way. Yeah. Let's, let's get some things in place. Um, beforehand, let's do some work, uh, beforehand (laughs) so we can, we can impact that. 
So yeah, it's and all it's, good. there's all kinds of perspectives, and yeah, there's no right or wrong. And in the hospital, Mm-mm. even hindsight, I I had a lot of preparation and advocacy, but I got caught up in like a post birth, like the things did sort of just happen. Mm-hmm. that, you know, before you know it, baby's on the warmer. And I was like in such labor land that I was just like, okay, my dad had brought me some food. I was starving. So I ate and, you know, it was a lot of things were still protected, but also a lot of things just sort of happened. Yeah. Which is the I part that I would say leaves you feeling a little bit like I could have mm-hmm. done better there. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that too. Cause my births were so different. So I had that V back with my second, I remember I was in such labor land because I had the V back. Yeah. And I remember, I'm just, I was like, this is awesome. To where I don't really remember, (laughs) I don't remember like a lot of like post-birth skin to skin, but I was still so freaking happy. So it was like, and I remember, I do remember seeing like baby on the warmer and just kind of like watching all the things they were doing, but it wasn't like a, oh, I wish baby was over here. I was more like, I just had my feedback. This is great. And I think they were like doing the stitches and stuff like that. So, you know, like it was interesting. I see a lot of that. Um, Yeah. But even after that, um, the first cesarean I was, it's kind of the after the fact where you're like, oh, I kind of hate that I missed that. But I was so freaking tired that I couldn't even function. So it was like, I just needed rest. So it was, you know, there's those things that happen too. Sometimes. Right. Yes. (laughs) All all versions. All scenarios. And you can't fully prepare Mm -mm. or predict. It's just a general awareness. And then I think when you have some awareness, it helps you accept some of the things Mm -hmm. that that did come up because you at least understand. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of the trauma and disappointment coming when they just don't understand what happened Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so I think, you know, one other nugget too to add to this is, okay, yes, it's important to do the research for your birth preferences list, but then also – I think watching videos, watching a video of a cesarean birth, watching mm-hmm. a video of a home birth and watching a video of just a normal physiological hospital birth and seeing mm-hmm. what goes on mm-hmm. afterwards could be so eye opening and enlightening as well, too. It could really make a difference. Absolutely. So. I'm always encouraging watching real birth and we have such access to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of familiarizing yourself with what it looks like, because, again, most people haven't done this before. Right. Exactly. Or they had, yeah. you know, once or one or two times in their life for the most part. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we will add some of the things that we talked about here in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening and tune in next week for a brand new episode. Thank you for joining us on the Align Birth Podcast. We hope you found our discussions informative, inspiring, and enjoyable. Remember, when your body, mind, and intuition are aligned, you have the power to overcome any challenge that comes your way. We appreciate your support and leaving a review or rating, signing up for our newsletter, or becoming a direct listener supporter. Your contribution helps us continue delivering valuable content and reaching more listeners like yourself. Stay connected with us through our newsletter to receive the latest episodes and bonuses straight to your inbox each week. You can also connect with us on Instagram at aligned underscore birth. All links can be found in the show notes. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of the birthing individuals and new moms. Thank you for being a part of our community. We look forward to sharing more empowering conversations on the Aligned Birth Podcast. Until next time.